Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. She speaks several languages. She and her husband, Sean, are the founding partners of the Maori Law Group. She has honed her skills as a courtroom advocate through her representation of hundreds of individuals charged with everything from traffic violations to serious felony offenses. She has a deep commitment to justice and serving the underserved. She feels a special connection to the Bay Area immigrant community and, indeed, is a part of that community. She is also a mother raising a family. Hatasha Maori. Welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Thank you, Lewis. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm very happy to have you. I've always admired your work when I've seen you in court. You always seem very well prepared and you seem very comfortable in court. Where's your office right now? So I have two offices, one in San Jose and one in Dublin. And you practice with your husband? I do. Yes. It's a lot of fun. It's nice to have someone that you can trust and rely on to bounce ideas off of and just to have someone that you know very well and who completely understands all your idiosyncrasies. Yeah, it's nice. Where are you from originally? I'm from New Delhi, India. Really? And when did you come to the United States? My parents and my brother and I moved to the U.S. in 1992 when I was about seven, eight years old. And do you have much recollection of India? You know, I have some recollection of India. I still have a significant amount of family there. I haven't been to India since 2003, however, so it's been a while. But I do I do remember a lot of it, and a lot of my memories were formed later in life when I went back to visit. What do you think about it when you go back? I think... It's beautiful, but I also think it would be somewhere that I could not live at this point in my life. It's hard to see the poverty on the streets around you. It's hard to see how much struggle there is, and it's hard to give up everything that you've gotten used to here. Where did you originally live when you first came to the United States after coming from India? So we lived in Pleasanton um, for approximately, I want to say about six six months to a year we lived in Pleasanton. Shortly thereafter, um, my parents bought a small house in Fremont, and we've lived in Fremont ever since. So I I would say I, often people ask me, where were you born? Where were you raised? I would say I was raised in Fremont. Is that where you went to high school? I did. I went to high school at Mission San Jose, which was quite an experience, but it helped me build a lot of the building blocks that I needed for later on in life. When you say quite an experience, in what way? It's a very competitive high school. Everyone is very hyper-focused on grades and SATs and AP exams. So it, it requires a lot from you. But after high school, I graduated. I went to UC Irvine. And I remember going to UC Irvine, doing my first first year there, and then coming back and actually thanking some of my professors, or my teachers, rather, at mission for everything that they had pushed us all to get through and to learn because it was, it was, it was amazing. You felt so much more prepped for high school, excuse me, for college at that point. My guess is that you really thrived in a competitive scholastic environment. I did. It was fun, but it was also difficult. It was difficult because 
coming from an immigrant background, your parents just wanted you to focus on your studies. They, there were no extracurricular activities. My parents had schoolwork that they wanted us to do every summer. So I did, I, I did well at mission, but at the same time, it was difficult. It was extremely difficult. And from what I understand, it is still difficult. In what way? It's just hyper competitive. You did well in the academics. I, I did all right. Okay, so you graduated from from high school, and where did you go to college? UC Irvine. How was that experience? A lot of fun. I lived on campus for the most part. Irvine's very much a bubble in that you live on campus, you stay on campus, but then everyone goes outside of campus to party, but then you have your own safe spot within the bubble to come back to. I loved Irvine. I loved where it was positioned, but I soon realized that I would never do I would never be able to actually live, you know, have a career or a house in Irvine or in Orange County because I wanted to be back home in the Bay Area. I see. And when you when you got out of college, did you immediately go to law school or did you do something different? No. So for a year, I worked as a legal assistant at Sidley Austin um, LLP in the city. It is a huge firm. Yes. How many attorneys do they have there? I honestly would not even be able to tell you the answer to that question. It's massive. They had two floors in the Bank of America building. It was gorgeous. And I know that they have multiple locations throughout the country. Well, what what did you think of working in that kind of environment? It was a really good experience. I really enjoyed working there. I did. I assisted with contracts and IPOs and that kind of stuff. But I felt like it was more than a nine to five. Some of the partners and some of the associates that worked all the time, they just worked constantly. I were, there were often times where I wouldn't get home until nine o'clock at night because there was a closing or something else was happening and I was required to stay that late. So I enjoyed working there. I enjoyed the perks of Sidley Austin and large firms, but I did not like the hours and I did not like the additional just requirements that came of you. Yet nevertheless, you decided to go to law school. I did. I was definitely engaged in it. I, I, after, especially after working there, I realized that I wanted to be in the legal world. I didn't know at that time I wanted to do intellectual property law. I wanted to go down that path. So I took a lot of classes at Golden Gate University during law school that had to do with IP law. But, and it seemed intriguing to me, but I did want to definitely be a lawyer. When did you first start thinking, I really want to be a lawyer. I want to go to law school. It actually goes back to my days at UCI. I took some poli-sci class and one of the topics that we had to write about was the needle exchange program. For whatever reason, I was thoroughly engaged in that class and I was very interested in the needle exchange program and how what the benefits of that such a program could be to those living on the streets. And that was my first thought process, my first time that I was actually engaged and wanted to be a lawyer. But took a while to actually realize that that is where I really wanted to be. What did your friends and your family think and say when you told them that you wanted to be a lawyer? It was an interesting conversation. Uh, A lot of them thought I was crazy. In high school and throughout college, you know, everybody wanted me to be an engineer. I'm I was born in India. We live in Silicon Valley. I'm Indian and engineers. You become an engineer. I never wanted to be a doctor. This is not something I could do. So it was always, Natasha's going to be an engineer. So when I suggested lawyer, everyone thought it was crazy. So so where did you um, go to law school? At Golden Gate University in the city. 
And was there some reason you decided to go there? Not really. It was just one of the schools I got into. It was a commuter school, which was nice because I was as I've grown up in Fremont, my parents still live in Fremont. So it was nice to be able to stay with them, commute into the city as necessary, and then be able to come back, save money in that sense. What did you think of the Golden Gate experience? I enjoyed it. I was not one to linger around the campus too long. I always just caught the next bar train home. I thought it did a good job of prepping me for the bar. And there was a lot of bar prep within the classes and within the system. So I enjoyed Golden Gate. It was easy access to teachers and professors and materials. So I enjoyed Golden Gate. After you got out of Golden Gate, what was your first legal job? So after getting out of Golden Gate, it was immediately study for the bar. So my husband, Sean, and I, we spent an entire summer just prepping in our parents' respecting respective living rooms and kitchens and dining rooms, just studying for the bar. We both sat next to each other, took the bar together. We passed the bar together. And then it was out into the open world trying to figure out what we were going to do. The market was awful at that point. No one was really hiring. So I applied for a random position as a legal secretary because I wasn't able to find a job at a criminal defense firm out of Fairfield. So I met with the partner in the firm and he looked at me and said, you're applying for a legal secretary position. And I was like, well, that's, that's all you're offering at this point. It's, I need a job. So he immediately booted or boosted me rather, started, boosted me into uh, a first year associate position and started appearing in court. It was a criminal defense firm. At that point, I hadn't really thought about criminal defense that much. But the moment I started appearing in court and actually working up cases, it was at that point where I realized I'm going to be a criminal defense lawyer. What was it about the criminal defense that you found attractive? Being able to help people. People that are looking for criminal defense lawyers are often at the worst points in their lives. They're lost. They're confused. They have no idea how they're going to proceed or even move forward in their lives. And to be able to just have a conversation with them and tell them it's going to be okay and I can help you get through this, it's very rewarding. Is that what you really like about practicing law? Yes, it is. It's probably the best part of what we do. I really enjoy making a difference in people's lives. It is. Let's say a young person were coming out of a place like UC Irvine and thinking about some kind of a career choice. Would you recommend that to someone as a career? I do. And I've spoken to some young people in the last few years who've come out and thought about law school. And I tell them, yes, go to law school, figure out, you know, a way to help people, because that's what we are meant to do. We are meant to help people. But be prepared for the fact that it's going to be very difficult. Law school is not easy and it's challenging at times. So if you're going to do it, be prepared and be dedicated and ready to take on the challenge. But yes, absolutely. If you're thinking about law school, you should do law school, go through the different classes, take you know a variety of classes to figure out if there is something specific you're interested in. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting a career in law? What I would tell the young people who are just starting out is listen to everyone around you because everyone around you has something to tell you. Take criticism from other attorneys, especially if it's if they turn to you and say, you know, you could have done that better by adding this one sentence because they're not only critiquing you, but they're trying to help you be a better attorney. And I, I learned a lot when someone said, next time, try this, Hitasha. I learned a lot from those people who at that point, I may have been offended that they would say something like that to me, but I would go back later and think, yeah, you know, I am going to give that a shot. 
And then the other thing that's always helped me is ask questions. How, how is actually practicing law met or different from your expectations of it? You know, when you, when you start out practicing law or when you're in law school, you think like, oh, I'm going to be an attorney. I'm going to go to court. I'm going to argue a position to the judge. The judge is going to make a ruling on it. And that's it. It's over. No one really tells you about the human aspect of these things. No one tells you that there's an actual person involved in all of this. There's someone whose lives depend on this or whose future depends on it, whose career depends on it. There are feelings and emotions and backstories involved. And you're only taught the law and the research and the arguments. What about the business of practicing law? How's that gone for you? And how's that matter different from your expectations? The business of practicing law is not what you would expect it to be. Whenever you know I retain a new client, I tell them, look, I, I'm, you're hiring me to be your attorney. I am not a bill collector. So please just make your payments on time. And that's something that you don't realize that you actually turn into is at some point you have a business and you're not just an attorney. You have a business to run. You have your own financial issues to deal with. And you can't just constantly just focus on the law portion of it. You have to focus on the business aspect of it. And that's hard. It's really hard. And it's not something you're taught at all. The small business world is complicated and that's something you have to learn as you go. Do you think that it would be a good thing for law schools to have some discussion about the business aspect of small firm law? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I think it would be extremely beneficial to have a couple of small business owners of different practices come in and teach a class on, okay, you not only have to be this great advocate for your clients, but you also have to be able to run your books and you have to be able to run this practice and have it financially stable. Yeah. And I think law schools would greatly benefit from arranging some sort of a program. What do you think is the best advice you've ever received? I think the best advice, and I've been thinking about this, is never give up, but always remember to take a step back when you walk in your in your house because you can be this amazing advocate, but you also have to have your sanity <laughs> and you can't bring everything home with you because it will impact your personal life. What aspect of practicing law do you think is your strong suit? I think being able to argue my client, my client's position and my position in court is probably my, my strongest suit and being able to represent my client to their fullest. Tell the judge that what's written in the police report is not all that my client is about, that there's more. I think being able to verbalize that is my strong suit. Looking back, is there one thing that you think you would like to change if you could? So early on, I became, I would get nervous about taking on more serious cases. And that is something that I wish I could change about not being so nervous, I think. But at the same time, that being nervous made me realize that I cared more about those serious cases. So perhaps it's something I don't want to change. But yes, being nervous about trying something different or trying something that has more serious consequences is something I wish I could change to some extent. Do you think that the legal system works? Do you think it's fair? I think it has the ability to work, but it often does not. So I would not say that it's fair, but I think with some changes that happen system-wide, I think we could make it more fair. What would you change? I would try to offer more services to those that have mental health issues. I think there's there's a significant amount of individuals who end up in the legal system that have mental health issues and their, their crimes are directly related to the mental health issues. So I would try to offer more services, more supervision, and not necessarily in a manner in which 
they are imprisoned or they are you know, otherwise restrained, I would try to offer more mental health services within their communities. The other thing I would try to change is that oftentimes the prosecution and the bench get hung up on the moment this this issue occurred or this alleged crime occurred, and they're unwilling to take the person, the person that is before them into account. So if there's any way I could essentially work harder to get them to listen more as to what led up to this incident occurring, I would. You are in a kind of unique situation in that your law partner is also your husband. I'm wondering how that's affected your family life and how practicing law has affected your family life and how your family life has affected your practice of law. So we have two children and we have a dog. So Sean and I have kind of made it a practice in our house to turn off that part of our brain when we pick up our kids. And How old are your kids? Seven and almost six. Okay, go ahead. So we try to focus on our children when we're home and they are here as opposed to talking about work. And on the weekends, we dedicate it to them. We don't work on the weekends. We tend to work when they are asleep. And Sean and I have kind of always had this practice. It's okay if we're, you know, nine to five before working, we're working. And then when we pick up the kids, we are just focusing on the kids. And then when the kids go to sleep, often we will pick up, you know, whatever work stuff has to be done. But we try to focus just on our kids when we have them because they grow so fast and we've, we don't want to miss out on anything. Have you taken any family trips, had any travel experience? That's, that's a sour subject at the moment. So before the pandemic hit, we had plans to go to Italy this past June and that we had to cancel everything. It was going to be the first international trip with all four of us together. And it was going to be, you know, a 12-day trip to Rome and Sorrento, and we had to cancel all of that. So then we thought, okay, 2021, it's the year we're going to go. So now it doesn't seem like that's going to happen either. So hopefully 2022 is when we make that big trip internationally. What sort of things do you enjoy doing recreationally? Hiking. My Sean and I have been hiking a lot. Oftentimes our weekends are just so caught up with the kids. So whatever the kids want to do before pre-pandemic, it was go to the movies, you know, go golfing, something like that. But with the pandemic, it's been outdoor stuff. So if it's play in the court or bike riding, we like to do that with them. If you couldn't be a lawyer... Is there some job that you think you would like to do? You know, honestly, I don't know. I cannot answer that question. I can tell you what I wouldn't be is a stay-at-home mom or a teacher. If nothing else, the pandemic has taught me that I could never be a stay-at-home mom or a teacher. But other than that, I really can't say what else I would do. I would be at a loss. Well, speaking of the pandemic, and you tell me if it's okay to ask you this question, we had to postpone our, our interview for a while because because you contracted the COVID virus. And I'm wondering if you just sort of share a little bit about that experience. Sure. I don't mind talking about it at all. Yes, all four of us ended up with COVID for a little bit around Christmas time. It was it was kind of amazing how quickly the symptoms went from one person to the next in our family. So Sean came down with it first with my son, and then it was within about 24 to 36 hours that my daughter and I came down with it. Luckily for us, our symptoms were very mild. It was a lot of fever and chills and just body weakness for 24 to 48 hours. And then we all seemed to get our energy back. But the kids, our, our kids hardly had any symptoms, knock on wood. They 
They had fevers, but they didn't seem as miserable as Shauna and I got. We, I think we, the adults, were in bed for 24 hours, if not more, where it was just weakness. But when our major symptoms subsided, it was interesting because we didn't get our full energy back. It was, we started to get energy back, but we would do something and then be exhausted. It was still napping midday, but just the sheer exhaustion was taxing. But thankfully, again, thankfully, we all had mild symptoms. And I have a genuine fear of the elderly getting COVID because if it took me down that much, I can't imagine how hard it is for the elderly to fight it. What keeps you up at night? I think what keeps me up at night is not being able to help my clients that really need the help especially those with mental health issues. I'm, I'm battling a current case with a woman who's got severe mental health issues and the offer is a prison offer. And I'm trying to convince the DA and the judge in this case to give her treatment instead of prison. But those kind of cases keep me up because I know this person needs help. I know there's future for this person, but I can't, I can only do so much. And those ones get to me. Let's say you and Sean came into some real money, you know, a few billion dollars. What, if anything, would you do differently in your life? That would be nice. I think I would still work. I know a lot of people would say they would close up shop and just be gone. I would still work. I would probably reduce my workload, but I would still work because I need I need something to fight for. And I, I know people need services that I can offer. The one thing I would change is how much we travel and hopefully the pandemic would be gone by then, but it would be travel more, take the kids out more, but definitely still work. Let's say there were one thing that you could skywrite, that you could put it up so that everybody could see it. It'd be, be a huge banner in the sky. What would you like to tell everybody? Don't give up hope. There's always hope. You could have had a really bad day. Your your son, your family member, your daughter could be in custody for something they didn't do. But don't give up hope. And don't give up. Just don't give up. Hatasha Mowry, thank you very much for joining me today on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me, Lewis. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks as always to my guests who share their wisdom and to Joel Katz for music, Ryan Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Hart. I'm Lewis Goodman. I'm losing my train of thought. Do you want to start over? Uh, yes, please. Go ahead. I can't say I've been thinking about this question and I really can't say.